Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Of course, the mote being a much smaller piece than the beam. Verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. I'd like to speak this morning on this Memorial Day weekend on this subject, extreme ownership, extreme ownership. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for your presence. We are thankful for your word, your spirit that guides us, the opportunity to be in your house, to lift up the name of Jesus one more time and to be gathered together with brothers and sisters of like precious faith that we can assemble ourselves together, Lord, as your body, your people, to lift up the name of the Lord and to declare your greatness into this atmosphere. We ask you, God, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. Help us, God, to be able to exalt you in all that we do. And I pray, Lord, that you would save people from their innermost being, Lord, to their outer shell, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Let us be saturated, Lord, with the peace that only comes from you, and the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Leif Babin and Jocko Willink were Navy SEAL commanders in the Iraq War known as Operation Iraqi Freedom. Jocko was the commander of Naval Special Warfare Task Unit Bruiser. Chris Kyle, the author of the book American Sniper that was turned into a movie, was a member of their team and was their lead sniper. Leif Babin was commander of Charlie Platoon and they fought to dislodge the insurgents and Al-Qaeda terrorists from the city of Ramadi in Iraq. The insurgents were well trained and they were well armed and they were ruthless killers. They were determined to massacre every U.S. soldier that stepped foot into Ramadi, the city that was their headquarters for world terrorism. Their desire was to behead as many as they could, put them on videotape, make a mockery of the military, and send them on their way. But the Navy SEALs worked with U.S. Army 2nd Brigade 28th Infantry Brigade Combat Team in the U.S. Army 1st Brigade, 1st Armored Division, the group that was made famous in the book Band of Brothers, courageous warriors of both the U.S. Army and the U.S. Marines. The urban house-to-house -house war for South Central Ramadi in 2006 was 
some of the most fierce fighting that our U.S. military had seen in more than 40 years. Working together, they systematically liberated the war-torn, insurgent-held city of Ramadi. These operations established security in the most dangerous and volatile area in all of Iraq and eventually turned the tide of the war. By early 2007, enemy attacks plunged from an average of 40 or 50 a day to an average of one a week and then one a month. Ramadi remained a model of stability and one of the safest areas of Iraq outside of the Kurdish-controlled north for years afterwards, thanks to these warriors. Leif and Jocko came home to oversee all recruit and officer training for the West Coast SEAL teams, directing some of the most realistic and challenging combat training in the world. In this role, they helped guide a new generation of SEAL leaders who continue to perform with unparalleled success on the battlefield and are considered the standard for world-class warriors, not only in America, but in all of the world. Eventually, that fifth U.S. SEAL team from the West Coast that went in and took out Osama bin Laden. After the U.S. military pulled out of Iraq in 2011, Leif and Jocko started a successful management consulting company where they advised and trained executives and managers in the business world, pulling from their experience of leading men in the most difficult of circumstances to victory. They wrote a book called Severe Ownership, where they introduced the concept that you must take ownership of everything that happens under your watch, whether it is your fault or not. You must own everything you think, say, and do. There is no one else to blame. I'd like to borrow from the teaching of these brave warriors on this Memorial Day weekend to illustrate biblical principles. Because in a world where there is always something or someone else to put the blame on, extreme ownership is a radical concept. Yet it is not new to humanity because the flesh will always take the path of least resistance. But no one exemplified extreme ownership more than Jesus Christ. John chapter 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. It certainly was not Jesus' fault that sin entered in the world. It was not Jesus' fault that humanity was struggling under the law without redemption. One way that you can know that Jesus was indeed God manifest in the flesh is that he took ownership of the plight of his creation. He was without sin and yet he became the focal point of all sin. He was without fault yet he became the spotless lamb led to the slaughter as Isaiah prophesied yet he opened not his mouth. Israel wanted a king rather than a prophet so God gave them their first king, King Saul. When Saul did not obey God and Samuel the prophet confronted him Saul said, it's the people's fault, not yet learning about extreme ownership. God told Samuel, get away from him. I have chosen a new leader. 
for a new time. Samuel discovered that the hand of God was upon the youngest of Jesse's boys, a little fella by the name of David who was just a shepherd boy. Later on, when God's hand had been upon David and he was made king and and was over Israel, the most powerful nation in the world at that time, King David was confronted by the prophet who was now a man by the name of Nathan as Samuel had died. Nathan confronted David the king and told him a story about a rich man that had taken just one little lamb that belonged to his poor neighbor to feed his guests that had come. David said, tell me who did that in the kingdom and they will be dealt with. And Nathan, that old prophet, shook his little bony finger in the face of King David, the most powerful man in the world, and said, thou art the man. David understood extreme ownership. Because immediately he fell to his knees and he began to repent. Oh God, create in me a clean heart and a right spirit. You can read Psalms 51, which is beautifully written so that you can understand how immediately David took responsibility for his own actions. If nothing else, in that one defining moment, you see the difference between King Saul and King David. You see why God moved away from King Saul and embraced King David because King David knew about severe ownership. King David knew what it is to immediately find a place of repentance. King David knew how God treasured a person who could own up to what they had done, take responsibility, severe ownership, and say, I must have the favor of God one more time on my life. Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you today, you don't have true repentance, absolute repentance, without extreme ownership. Repentance requires remorse. And as long as you think that it is somebody else's fault, you'll never get to a place of true repentance. Until you say, I am lost and undone. Until you say that I am born in sin. You will not get to a place where you experience true repentance. Because true repentance is not, God, if I've ever done anything to offend you, you forgive me. Have you ever had people come up to you and ask for forgiveness like that? If I've ever done anything to offend you, I sure do feel bad about it. I have no idea what it is, and you have a problem for even thinking that you should be offended, but that's not repentance. You can't come to God and say, God, if I've ever done anything to offend you, as if God is some sort of petulant child sitting up there sucking his thumb, offended by your actions. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not the kind of God we serve. And humanity that's able to turn their life around is when a man or woman with remorse and shame get on their face before God and say, forgive me. It's nobody's fault but my own. But I fear that we've seen the death of shame and the rise of pride in our day. We need to see a reversal of those two things. Whatever happened to old-fashioned repentance, where you felt sorrow and shame for your sin? Whatever happened to the old days, like when Jonathan Edwards preached and preached that message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, and the congregation prayed and cried and screamed out to God, got out on the front lawn for two and a half hours and begged for mercy. 
Maybe we've been desensitized through too many horror movies or maybe we've seen enough skeleton shows at the theme parks in Orlando that we don't really think there's a judgment. But ladies and gentlemen, when I read my Bible, I find that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And unless I take ownership of my actions, Unless I take ownership of what I've done and what I've thought and what I've said, I'll never, never find a place of true repentance before the holy hands of a holy God. There was a day when you pleaded with God between uncontrollable tears to forgive you. You didn't care what you looked like. You didn't care what you sounded like. You didn't care who was watching. That's the kind of true repentance that we need in North America. That's the kind of true repentance that we need in Florida. That's the kind of true repentance that we need at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay when we find a place to say, God, I need you to forgive me and I'm not going to let go of the horns of the altar until I feel the sweet peace of your presence and I know that everything's going to be all right. It's not your daddy's fault. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your husband's it's fault it's you standing before a God and asking for mercy it's that kind of true repentance that protects you from going back to your sin in the old days they would cry out but we've become too sophisticated for that we say a little two-minute speech not even sure if it's necessary and expect all of heaven to stand at our beck and call that's why we go back to our sins so easily because we never built a wall of extreme remorse we never built a wall of shame and sorrow and felt the lift of that burden and been so overjoyed with it that we would never even think of going back to our sins. But when we skate in and out of God's presence without any true repentance and without any true remorse, it's easy to go back to the filth from which we came and to cast our, our pearls before swine once again. Ladies and gentlemen, something's got to die. That will has got to die. That old nature has got to be evicted from the throne of your heart, not just sit on a vacation. It's got to be evicted. That's why the Bible talks about you got to come out of the world. You got to be separated from the world. We don't want to hear that now. We just want to fit God into our lifestyle. We want to fit God into our culture. We want to fit God into our schedule. But I'm talking about a God that desires to call you out to make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And none of us will ever get to that point until we exhibit extreme ownership. Take responsibility. We've got to be a separate called out people you got to change your habits. you got to change your friends. What you talking about now? I'm talking about extreme ownership. I'm talking about a God all the way from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis to Revelation. You'll find a common thread that God calls a people out to be separated from the world. He calls a people out to think different, look different, act different, speak different. I don't care if everybody on TV and in every movie is cussing. I'm still not going to curse the name of God. God gave me a voice. I plan on using it to exalt the name of God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. 
what happened to an apostolic church that used to gather together to praise the name of God. But now we'll give up a prayer meeting or give up a worship service to watch a movie where they're cursing the name of God. Where you would never think of it before. It's time for the apostolics to get back to a place of repentance and say I will only let my eyes and my ears be in tune in a God that has a holy presence. Extreme ownership. I'm not preaching today about easy believism. I'm not preaching today about God will become whatever you want him to be. I'm talking about a holy God with a holy nature that's looking for a holy people. God didn't call us to be like everybody else. So things have to change when you come to the Lord. You've got to change your friends, change your lifestyle. Here's one you don't want to hear. You got to change your wardrobe. Because all that stuff you used to wear had one purpose. That was a purpose to try to attract people to the flesh. But now that you're saved, you ain't looking to try to attract an illicit relationship. You're trying to use your hands, your mind, your body, your heart, your soul, and everything that's represented from your appearance for one purpose, and that is to glorify the name of Jesus. So we're going to take ownership of what we act like and where we go and what we do and how we look. I was on vacation last week with, with my family, and uh, Sister Amy told me, she said, this girl that was sitting over there to our left over the side, she had come out of the establishment there with, I don't know if it was her husband or boyfriend, but she was wearing apparel so that you could see her back, and she had a scripture tattooed down her back that said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Went up through her spine. And my wife said, I thought it was interesting that she had a, a scripture tattooed because the Bible says not to mark your body. I don't care if you print the whole Bible on your body, you're still outside of biblical principles. Now, if you did that when you were not saved and you got it now and you're stuck with it, God bless you. We love you anyhow, no matter where you are. But if you got knowledge of it, my wife told me, she said she had this scripture and she'd walk around, everybody could see her back tattooed, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. And she said she hadn't opened her mouth more than 15 seconds and was cursing and swearing like a sailor. What kind of testimony is that? Something's got to happen to Christianity in America. We got to get back to extreme ownership. Somebody said, well, it was the way I raised, and my mama did that, and my daddy did that, and I had this church that did that, and I had a preacher that did that, and I had a principal and a teacher and a this and a that. You need to take ownership of the fact that you're a sinner. You are a sinner. You are lost and undone without God. You can't sell enough Girl Scout cookies. You can't help enough old people across the street that'll ever earn salvation. You got to repent. You got to repent. Ye must repent. 
We need God. We need God. We need God. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I'm taking ownership of my mistakes. I'm taking ownership of my past actions. And I know that I will spend the rest of my life having to guard against it because it's standing just outside the door of my heart waiting for an opportunity to get back in. You read Paul's writings. He makes it clear what he's battling. So I got to put some safeguards in my life. I got to be just as radical for Christ as I was for the Pharisees. I've got to work as hard or harder at saving folks uh, than I did to kill or destroy them, which is what he was doing in his past life until God uh, exercised uh, some extreme measures uh, to get him on the right track. He said, I'm going to take ownership of it. And I know that I've got to deal with this thorn that's in my flesh for the rest of my life. But he said, God has made it clear that his grace is sufficient. I'm not going to remove the thorn. I'm not going to put you in a place of comfort and safety. I'm going to make you hungry for me every day. There's some things that God has left in your life so that every day you will recognize that you need him more today than you did yesterday. Some things you're going to have to just live with. But it doesn't mean that God's grace is not sufficient. Leif and Jocko in their book said, We take ownership for the three seals that were killed under our command. And more than that, that were wounded. They said, it is a burden that is almost unbearable. We will live with it for the rest of our lives. But we pledge to their families that we will be there for them if they ever need us. And we will never forget our brothers that died in battle, fighting by our side. We take ownership because we were the commanders and they died on our watch. What would happen if apostolic Pentecostals took ownership of people in their family that are dying without God? What would happen if apostolic Pentecostals in First Palm Bay took ownership of Palm Bay and said, we're not going to just sit by and let the city be run by drugs and gangs, but we're going to take ownership of every person that's lost. Oh, God, give us a burden. God, give us a burden. I wonder right now if you'd lift your voice in your hands and would you call out to a holy God? Oh, God, stir us, Lord. Stir us with your presence. That's it, go ahead.
That's all right. Your soul is crying out. That's okay. Jesus, Jesus. you stand to your feet this morning? I feel God moving us. I feel God's moving us in a specific direction this morning. I don't know what it was like when Peter preached that convicting message on the day of Pentecost. Everybody was gathered around the streets. They were there for a holiday and celebration. Peter had been through a lot himself, but he never got the revelation till he took ownership of his own actions, till he took ownership of betraying the Christ while he warmed his hands at the fire at Caiaphas' house, till he took ownership of the despair, the despondency, the mistakes, the challenge and the questions. You see, Judas could never take ownership. That's why he eventually hung himself. It was always somebody else's fault. Peter found a place of repentance. And when he preached in Acts 2, he was taking ownership and he was telling the nation of Israel, you got to take ownership. You crucified him. You hung him on a tree. When he got through, they said, what must we do? That's the question for every one of us today. How do we take extreme ownership? What must we do? Peter now could only tell them after he had come to that place himself. He said, you've got to repent. It starts with repentance. It starts with sorrow and remorse. And he said, you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because ladies and gentlemen, you've got to get that name of Jesus applied to your life. That's what makes the difference. Jocko Willink in that book, Extreme Ownership, said that one of the biggest mistakes he made was when they were involved in a combat situation in Ramadi where there were two groups that were on the same side firing at each other into a building. One of the seals was injured. They call it a blue on blue. After they were able to find out what was going on and stopped firing at each other and they went and did an investigation. He said, I kept trying to figure out what had happened. Came to the conclusion that it came down to simply this one small fact. 
somebody had not clearly identified what side they were on. Ladies and gentlemen, in the spirit world, you clearly identify what side you're on when you go down in the saving name of Jesus Christ in water baptism. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And he said, this promise is unto you and to your children and to those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I don't know about you, but I was afar off. I'm glad that promise reaches afar off. There's not a place you can go that that promise will not reach you. There's not a way you can live your life that that promise will not reach you. It all boils down to one thing. Can you and I take ownership of the fact we must work out our own salvation? The Bible makes it clear. We do it by repentance, being baptized in the name of Jesus, and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now here's what I feel the Lord leading us to do right here this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to ask him this question. Have you been baptized since you believe? Would you turn to your neighbor right now and ask him that question? Have you been baptized since you believed? If they say yes, I want you to ask them a follow-up question. Have you been baptized in the saving name of Jesus? Go ahead and ask them. If they say no, I want you to tell them that today is the day. Take them by the hand. Walk down this aisle and up onto this platform right now. Come on, we're going to take ownership for where we are. If they've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, take them by the hand and say, today is the day of salvation. Walk right down this aisle right now this morning. Come up on this platform right now. We're going to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Amen. Don't be shy. That's it. Come on down right now. Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? Amen. Come on, there's more of you than this. Here they come. Come on up right now. We're going to have a baptism service right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if you pointed to your neighbor and they say, yeah, I've been baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to turn to your other neighbor, the one that's over beside you, and I want you to ask them, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Now, you're in church. Don't lie. If they say yes, turn around behind you. Keep asking until you find somebody honest. Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus since you believed? They say no, you tell them today is the day of salvation. Take them by the hand and bring them up here to the altar. Bring them up here to the platform. We've got some we're going to baptize, but there's some more that God wants to baptize right now. I believe that when we baptize them with water, that God will baptize them with the Holy Ghost. you believe that? I'm still waiting because the Holy Ghost is telling me there's more out there. This is no time to be shy.
This is the time to take responsibility and say on this Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to remember that it's the name of Jesus that washes away my sins. All right, some more. Keep asking until you find some more. I need about four or five more. That's about what I'm feeling. Four or five more people. We got time. I, I preached short this morning so we'd have time for this. I need some of y'all to get bold and get out in your aisle. Take ownership of your whole section. Keep asking right now until somebody, somebody says, yes, I need to be baptized. Amen. We're going to baptize you in Jesus' name. That's the way they were baptized in the book of Acts. That's it. Some more are coming. That's the way they were baptized in the book of Acts and Acts 2. That's it. God bless you. Thank you. That's awesome. Come on, my brother. Come on. That's the way they were baptized in Acts 2. That's the way they were baptized in Acts 8 in Samaria. That's the way they were baptized in Acts chapter 10. Thank you, Brother Derek. There's a Navy SEAL for the Lord right there. That's the way they were baptized in Acts chapter 19. When Paul came across some disciples in Ephesus, they said, we were baptized under John's baptism. He said, well, John told of one who would come after him, whose shoes he was not worthy to loose. And the Bible said, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, isn't this awesome? You know what the Bible says in Acts 19? The Bible says this. The Bible says that when they were baptized in the name of Jesus, that they received the Holy Ghost when they come up out of that water. Now here's what I'm believing right now. We're going to baptize these folks. Brother Derek, I want you to go back there with them. I'm believing that when they come up out of the water, that God's going to fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You believe that? Hallelujah! The Bible says in Romans 6, 4, we are buried with Him by baptism in the death. We are remembering the death in this Memorial Day weekend. But the Bible says they arose in newness of life. That old man's going to die. That old man of sin. That old will. That old nature. But what comes up out of the water is a new creature in Christ Jesus. This is an awesome group of people. God bless you. Thank you for having the courage to come up here. We're going to baptize you in the name of Jesus. Now, if you'll turn and look toward that door, there's Brother Tim Ritchie right there. He's got his hand up. If you'll follow him. He's going to take you back there. We've got changing rooms and robes, and they're going to let you know what all you need to do. Everything you need, the water is heated, and you can be baptized right now. There's men's changing room, ladies' changing room, and then Brother Derek Hayes is going to be there with you. We're going to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, and the Lord's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You got an interpreter? Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. People are getting saved in the death ministry. Amen. Now, if you want to be baptized, but you say, I'm a little shy to come right up down there and stand up on that platform, preacher. I didn't know what you were going to have me do up there. But I do feel like I need to be baptized. You can go out that side door right there where people are leaving right now. They're not leaving church. They're workers. They're leaving to help those that are getting baptized. But you can go out that door and turn to your left and walk right down this hallway behind this wall, and they'll be ready for you back there. They're going to baptize you. Now, for the rest of you, this is what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. I don't know what you came here today in need of, but if every one of us could be honest, we would all say that we have a need. 
something that we need God to do that we can't do for ourselves. You feel like there's something that you need a miraculous touch of God in your life. It may be healing in your body, maybe a touch on your marriage, your finances, but there's something that you need God to do that only God can do. If that's the situation you're facing right now, I wonder if you'd lift your hand right now. Would you do that? There's something that you need God to do that only God can do. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Here's what I want you to do now. Every one of you, thank you. Every one of you that lifted up your hand, I want to tell you that God is here to do that work for you. I want you to step out from where you're standing. Those of you that raised your hands, just step out from where you're standing. Come down to this altar right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to believe right now that God is going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But you're willing to say, I believe that what I need, God can do it. That's it. They're coming right now. Just make your way down. You said, I need a God-sized miracle today. I don't need a small miracle. I don't just need some sort of puny miracle. I need a God-sized miracle. And I'm believing that God is going to hear my cry. I believe that every promise in this book is available for me. Do you believe that? Just make your way down right now in the name of Jesus. If you can't get down to the front, you just want to step out in the aisle. You're going to say, I'm going to do what I can do, and God will do what only He can do. What is it that we can do? We can pray in faith, believe it. And whatever you have need of today, I want you to turn it over to God and say, Lord, I believe that you have all power and all authority in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now lift your hands right now and lift your voices. By the authority of the word of God, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I pray right now for your divine deliverance to come across every single person that's standing in this altar or in this aisle. I'm asking God for there to be a miracle in every person's life that we would know that you have done the work. I pray for sickness, Lord. Everybody that is hurting right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, be made whole from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You believe that God is touching you right now. I wonder if you would shout unto him with the voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like praying for joy. I feel like there's some of you have been struggling with joy. I'm going to pray right now that God will give you a double portion of joy and you're going to begin to worship God and shout. There's going to be something that's going to come up from your innermost being. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for a double portion of joy. Touch carry right now in the name of Jesus. Therefore, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. That's it, that's it.
I said, let the Holy Ghost let the Holy Ghost speak. Let the Holy Ghost speak. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, touch your Lord with the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, in the name of Jesus. you to lift your mouth and I want you to lift your voice and I want you to begin to speak out whatever's in your heart right now in the name of Jesus let that come out whatever's in your heart let it come out for with every lips and another tongue will I speak to my people 